Hey everybody, this is Dave from Cross Point Church. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. I know that our world is full of unrest and chaos right now, but thankfully our lives are not anchored in this world or in the circumstances we find ourselves in. Our lives are anchored in God and His Word. We hope that you find encouragement from the message today, and when you're done, you can head over to crosspointwestdallas.com to learn more about us or register for one of our two Sunday services. Until then, enjoy this message from our series, The Book of Psalms. We just had a prayer meeting on Friday for Peter and Claire and their family, and uh, a bunch of you uh, came or showed up. We, we did it virtually. And uh, it, was a, it was a wonderful time of prayer. And, you know, sometimes, <laughs> I don't know why this happens, but sometimes we pray for people and things get worse before they get better. And I can't explain that. But I do believe that, um, that prayer is powerful. And it is the best defense that we have. It is, it is probably the best use of our time. And so we, we obviously are going to continue to pray for Peter and Claire as they go through a very difficult time right now. And um, my conversations with Peter lately led me to start today's message talking about a subject that is a little bit sensitive these days. And that is the subject of law enforcement. And most people have no idea what a day in the life of a police officer is like. Claire's husband, Peter, is a sheriff's deputy. And over the last four years, I've had the privilege of serving as a chaplain for the West Dallas Police Department. And there's a team of us that serve on a volunteer basis. And we basically do three things. We go to roll calls and we go on ride-alongs, which those have been shut down indefinitely right now. But our primary ministry and service to the community and to the police department is to assist with death notifications or, or death on site calls. And so we're, we're the people who show up unannounced at someone's door to give them bad news and to try to comfort them in a time of suffering. And one thing that I've observed about police officers is that they are often called to confront or to help people on their worst day when they have hit rock bottom. It's an extremely taxing occupation. The life expectancy for police officers in the United States is 57. That's 22 years younger than the general population. Police officers are confronted with angry, violent, and unpredictable people on a regular basis. They see things on a regular basis most of us would never want to see. From abused children to dead bodies to domestic violence. And we could go on. The confrontations that they get pulled into can be traumatizing. They're often asked to help people who hate them. One officer said, no matter how tough you think you are, the continuous calls you get over your career is a slow drip of traumatic events in your life. The suicide rate among police officers is over four times that of the national average. And this tells us that not just police officers, but 
many first responders are heading towards their own rock bottom. And this brings us to Psalm 107. Psalm number 107 is a psalm that has changed my life in many ways, and I want to share it with you this morning. This psalm shows us four different kinds of people, and they all hit rock bottom. They are all desperate, and when they became desperate, they all did the same thing, and when they did, God did what he does best. Some of you here today know what rock bottom feels like. You've been there, and you don't ever want to go back. But I would have to admit, as someone who has hit rock bottom a couple of times, that rock bottom is sometimes right where God wants you to be. For some of us, when you look back at your lowest point in life, you will admit rock bottom is exactly where you needed to be to discover something about God. And what you discovered is this. God's love never fails. And this psalm has one main subject, God's unfailing love. That's what today is all about. Psalm 107, verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. The author lets us know right away what this whole whole psalm is about. It's about the love of God, and he quickly moves on to tell us about four unique kinds of people who have experienced this love firsthand. The first group of people are what are are people who are called wanderers. They are lost and they are desperate. All of these people are desperate. These people are desperate for a home. They have no home. They have no place to settle. In verse 4, here's what we read about them. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. I know what it's like to wander in life. Some of you do as well. From school to school, from city to city, from job to job, from relationship to relationship. And the feeling, every, every time I, I moved again, it was just this feeling of emptiness because no matter where I go, there I am. And I, can't, I could not escape this dull, heavy feeling in my heart that my life was going nowhere. And, and finally, when I had nothing left to lose, I cried out to God. And it felt like a cheap repentance. You know what I mean? Like, I waited till the last possible minute to finally turn to God and ask for help. Why would God answer me then? But you know what God did? He answered me. And he answered me immediately. And he changed my life in a radical way. Because it didn't matter to God that I had nothing to give him. It didn't matter to God that I had waited It didn't matter that I had burned so many bridges. God was happy to take me and to make me a new kind of person. These people are restless. They're hungry and thirsty, but they're never satisfied. They keep looking for a place to settle, but they can't find it. And like me, they waited until they were desperate to pray. And we are all guilty of this. We've all waited until 
We were desperate. We waited till we ran out of options. We waited till we had no idea what to do next. We waited until our strength was gone. And then we cried out to God. And what does God do? Does he say, sorry, you should have called me sooner. You shouldn't have waited. Now it's too late. No, God does not shut the door on desperate people. He listens and he hears their cry and he delivers them from all of their trouble. And this passage tells us it's better to be homeless with a heart that longs for God than to be wealthy with a heart that is self-reliant and stubborn. And in Psalm 107, the only people being rescued are people who know they need to be rescued. They are people who know they're in trouble. They're in distress and they want to be rescued. And as soon as they cry out to God, he doesn't hesitate. He leads them to safety. The second group are people who are stuck and they're desperate for freedom. In verse 10, we read about them. Some sat in darkness and the deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains, for they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Now, I've been to prison a few times. And I know what you're thinking. No, I wasn't an inmate. I was a visitor, or I used to lead Bible studies as a volunteer at a, a prison in downtown Milwaukee. And prisoners are in a unique kind of distress. They have no control over their life, really. They, they, have no, uh, they don't make their own schedule. They can't decide where they want to go and when. They don't, they don't even see the light of day for months or even years. The prisons I've been to, they, the prisoners were never allowed outside. And the entire building was walls and doors, no windows. And they, they were not allowed to open any walls or, or, or open any doors. They were totally isolated from the outside world. Imagine that. Imagine what that's like. And, and we would go there on a Monday night and we would walk into this uh, big open room. And the inmates, this was during a time they were out of their cells. It was kind of like free time. And we would just announce that we were there to lead a Bible study and invite them to this Bible study. And we were placed in this upper room, and whoever wanted to come would come. And mostly it was guys who I think just needed a change of pace, and they, they were bored. But some of those men would come because they were hungry for God's word. They wanted to hear from God, and they knew God. They had met them there in the prison. And I believe... Because of men like that, it would be better for you to be hungry for God's word in prison than to be totally free and have no desire for God's word. Have you ever seen a prisoner cry? According to this psalm, it's the crying prisoner who has hope. Not the hardened one, not the bitter one, not the angry one, not the vengeful one. The crying prisoner will experience God because there is no redemption without humility. Humility must come first. The third group that we read about are people who are sick and desperate for forgiveness. And in verse 17, we read about them. Some suffered 
affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. These are people who are suffering from some kind of illness. It could be a physical or a mental illness. And they are so ill they can't handle life. They are weak and anxious and isolated. We're told here that their problem is their own sin. It's, they're suffering because they have sin in their hearts. And because of that sin, they've fallen ill. On March 27th, March, 20, March 22nd, 2007, is a date that is ingrained in my mind, in my memory, because that was the day I hit rock bottom. And I mean, I didn't, it, was, it didn't happen in a day. All right, I had been making foolish choices for a long time and giving in to sin for a long time, but in a single day, everything came to light. I had been hiding who I really was, and I had been deceiving people about what I, what, what I was doing in secret. And one day it all came out. My sin was right there in the open. I, there I was, a full-time pastor, exposed as a fraud. And I knew that my, I would lose my job. I knew my reputation was ruined. I knew my marriage was ruined. It might even be over. I had literally nowhere to go. I couldn't go home. I couldn't go to the office. I didn't want to be seen by anyone. And so, but, but I also knew I couldn't be alone. And so I reached out to a friend of mine, Dave Petrick. And this was right before Dave and Ivy were married, and they were living in West Dallas at the time. And I'll never forget that day. I went to Dave's house for a, like a couple of hours. And he just listened to me, and he prayed for me. And he helped me. He didn't make me feel guilty, which I was. He didn't make me feel like I had failed him, which I did. He gave me what I didn't deserve, grace. God used Dave Petrick when no one else was available to me to begin lifting me out of the bottom. The next day, another Dave, Dave Gustafson, took off work to spend the day with me downtown by the lake and I was at Mara was at rock bottom. He was there with me. And we just talked and we prayed. And the reason I'm telling you this is because no one should be at rock bottom alone. We all need God's help. We all need someone from God who can lift us out of despair and help us to see God's unfailing love. I was a fool. I, I and that didn't stop God's unfailing love. I threw my life away, and it didn't stop God's unfailing love. And it took two Daves and a Phil and a Jim and a Don and a Sharon and my wife and eventually a whole church to restore my life. And it took a while. But I experienced God's redemption. When I cried out to him in my distress, he was there. He answered he didn't turn me away. And we're talking here about people who keep sinning 
over and over again. They sin, they say they're sorry to God, and then they just do it again. And they keep hiding and they keep deceiving. And their sin causes them great distress, but they work so hard to cover it up. They've done nothing to earn God's favor or acceptance. They've done nothing but mock God by their actions. And yet, as soon as they cry out to him in humility, he delivers them from their distress. He heals them by his word. And they go from mocking God to praising him. And then finally, the fourth group of this psalm are people who are threatened and afraid, and they're desperate for safety. And we read about them in verse 25. Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants doing business on the, on the sea. And then God spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, they, their courage melted away. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. These are ordinary people who are going about their business. They aren't fools. They weren't rebellious. They are just people getting things done. And then out of nowhere, a crisis happens. Many of you have experienced something like this this year. Some of you started a business this year. Like our, our guy Ben Mante, Faklandia Brewing, started a business in 2020. He probably picked the worst year to do that. Uh, Jason Montano, our friend from Mosaic Church, started a church late last year. And it was a risk. Doing all those kinds of things is risky. Starting a business is a risk. Starting a church is a risk. Starting a family is a risk. And if you want to build something great, you have to take risks. It's part of life. Some of us want to stay in the shallow end of the pool where it's safe. But some have chosen to go out into the deep where it isn't safe. And guess where God is? He's in the deep end. That's where these people find God, in the deep waters where it's not safe. And here's the thing. This is the amazing thing. God is responsible for their trouble. God is responsible for their distress. God created the storm. God brought the darkness. God messed up their life. And they didn't have any sense of their spiritual need until God did that. When their life was going according to plan, they had little interest in God. They needed God to mess up their life. Has God messed up your life? Has God brought darkness or distress into your life? Because here's what we know about God, and the rest of the psalm goes on to make this plain God is sovereign, and he is the one who often brings trouble into our lives to lead us to a place of desperation. And God, of course, can also bring peace out of chaos and bring joy out of grief. This is the God of great reversals, and he can turn anyone's life around for better or for worse. And this psalm starts with a daring announcement, Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his love endures forever. So if God is good, why does he ruin people's lives? Why does he mess up people's lives if he's good? Why does he bring danger and darkness into people's lives? And according to this psalm, he does it for one primary reason. To show people 
his unfailing love. And in order for him to do that, people, he, he, he is humbling people. He's bringing them to that place where all they can do is cry out to him. And so to wake them up, he brings trouble into their lives to show them they're not in control. And the people who are willing to admit that they need God and they're willing to cry out to God, they will find God's mercy and God will redeem them. It doesn't matter whether they brought this trouble on themselves or not. Some of these people rebelled against God. They rejected God's word. They rejected his counsel. And God could have said, okay, you don't want me? That's fine. I'll leave you alone. You can go your own way. But not this God. God goes after them. He pursues them with darkness and gloom and turbulent storms until they finally come to their wit's end and cry out to God for help. And as soon as they turn to God, he answers. He redeems them. He saves them. He breaks their chains. He rescues them from darkness. He heals them. He brings them to safety. He gives them joy. He does wonderful things for the most wicked people. That's who God is. And if you have any success in your life or anything in your life where you can say, this is good, it's not because of you. It's because of God. It's because of his mercy. It's because of his grace. It's because of his unfailing love. He gives good things to us when we don't deserve it. He brings chaos and trouble to us to wake us up. And he does all of this to show us one main thing, that his love for us will never fail. No matter how many times we fail, he will never fail us. And so the conclusion of this psalm in verse 43, this is what we're supposed to do. Whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of God. Consider here means to think deeply about or to stare at or to meditate on. And this psalm tells us that when we take time to consider the great love of God, we will change. When is the last time you stepped away and took some time to a quiet place and simply thought about the depth of God's love for you and simply thought back on your life and remembered all of the times God has bailed you out or God has blessed you or God showed his grace or God rescued you or God redeemed you in some way or gave you what you don't deserve. That's got to be a habit for us, church. That's something we should be regularly thinking about and remembering and talking about. In fact, in verse 32, he says this, Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. You know what that means? It means that when we gather as the church, it is more than appropriate. In fact, it is what we should be doing is exalting God in the assembly and remembering exactly what he did when we were in distress and when we were in trouble and and telling people about it, telling our stories, talking about who we used to be and the things that God has rescued us from and praising him for his unfailing love. That's probably the best thing we could do when we get together. That's why we worship. That's why we read his word. It's why we fellowship. It's why we gather. It's why we're here. You know, we've been talking about worldly voices recently too. And you know as well as I do that 
Nobody in the world is speaking up and talking about the unfailing love of God. We are not reading about that in the news. We are not hearing about it in in the media. So who's going to tell those stories? Who's going to be willing to speak up and talk about God's unfailing love and praise God in the midst of all this disruption and chaos? Who's going to do it? Yes, us. That's right. We're called to do it. We're set apart. We have the stories. God is with us. He's ready to open our mouths wherever we are to exalt his name. Nobody else is going to do that. So I I want to speak to two kinds of people today because here's the thing. If you're here today, it's either because God has redeemed you or he's about to. The only other kind of person I can imagine being here today is someone who believes they don't need saving. And maybe you've never hit rock bottom. Maybe you're not desperate and you don't think you ever will be. And and that is not a, a safe place to be, my friend. But if you are here today and you are at rock bottom, I'm not going to single you out. But if you are there, please come talk to me. Please talk to me. Talk to the person you came with. Talk to someone because you can't stay at rock bottom alone. You're not meant to be there alone. And we are here to share with you God's unfailing love. That's what we're here for. We're here to support you. We're here to care for you. We're here to pray for you. We're here because we love God and we love you. And if you're not at rock bottom today, then all I'm going to ask you to do is talk about God with your neighbor. Talk about God with each other. Remember how good God is. Remember his unfailing love. Tell me a story. Somebody tell me a story today about how God redeemed your life. I want to hear that. Nothing makes me happier. Nothing makes me feel more empowered than hearing you talk about that. If you're not going to tell me, tell somebody. And let's not neglect to praise God for his unfailing love. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word which heals us. And I pray for anyone here today who's hurting. There are people here who are physically sick. There are people here who are struggling with mental illness. There are people here who feel beat up and defeated and at their wit's end. And I pray, Father, that you would answer them when they cry out to you and that you would show them your unfailing love. God, we believe that you are good and full of grace and that your love never fails. And our thoughts are with Claire and Peter And we pray, Father, that you would show them your unfailing love today and through the rest of this week. We pray that you would use us, their church, to surround them with comfort and love and empathy. That we would be willing to get down on our knees with them and grieve with them and listen and pray. And put a song in our hearts, God, a song of hope, a song of redemption. And we pray, Father, for your strength to be with them and your comfort and your healing, your physical healing, 
your emotional healing, your spiritual healing, God. Bring wholeness to them as only you can. Bring them peace that transcends understanding. God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather as your church today. Bless our fellowship. Let it be, let it be uh, as pleasing to you and may it be sweet to us because we're all here for the same reason. And that is to give you praise today, God. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You can stand wherever you're at. I'm going to share a benediction with you this morning from Psalm 146. And this is how the psalm ends. Please bow your heads with me. God gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. He will be your God, O Jerusalem, throughout the generations. Praise the Lord. Amen.